Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you would like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do so online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. So today we're going to be starting a brand new series called Breathing Room, and over the next few weeks we're going to be looking at how do we create margin in areas that matter most. So as we get started today, I want to welcome those of you joining us online, wherever you're tuning in from. Thanks for being part of our experience today. We're glad you're joining in. Is there anyone here that would openly admit that you're kind of like a neat freak person like me? Come on, let me see your hands, right? You're like neat freak. Like, you know, every place has its thing, you know, everything has its place that, you know, there's certain organization that you have and, and things, you, you like things to be a certain way, you know, your closet's organized for me, like my short sleeve shirts all go and then there's my longer ones and then beneath them, you know, is the the, the winter stuff, and then my drawers that have t-shirts in one, socks one, you know, things, everything's organized, my office, things go in the same place, and, and things are kept the right way, right, and there's, an, there's a reason for that, it's just because it's a better way to live, right, it's just, it's just a better way to live. You know, I, I, don't, I don't ever have to go looking for scissors because my scissors are always right where I left them the last time, right, come on, somebody give me an amen, you're like, that is the right way to live. But how many of you would say that you married someone that's not like that? Right? Right? That it's tendly, it tends to be what we do, right? We, we marry people, opposites attract, they balance out, and there's a good reason for that. But, but you know, where things are cluttered and things can be messy and, and their mind doesn't bother them at all. And I'm not saying that that's who I married, so please don't assume anything like that on, on from me this morning. But, but you, you, you tend to have that in life, and, and for me, like, I'm real neat, other people are not, and it's one thing when it comes to your closet or maybe how your basement is organized, but it's a whole nother thing when it comes to our life. And when our lives get cluttered, and when our lives get disorganized, and there's a pace that we're running at that's really not sustainable, it can usually end not where we want it to be. And I've entitled today's message, Coming Up for Air where hopefully you're going to see what it means to really get some breathing room in your life the way that God intended it to be. When it comes to our schedules, our finances, our relationships, we need to make sure that we're doing our part to create the margin that God intended us to have. Because we live in a culture that's the exact opposite. We live in a culture that constantly pushes us to our limits, and when you're at your limit, there is no margin, right? That we all have the tendency to run our lives in a way where we kind of redline our lives, where we're, we're maxed out, we're at the limit, and that is not the way that God wants you to live. Life is definitely better with margin. Life is definitely more enjoyable when there's breathing room, with time to spare. It's the feeling that you show up 10 minutes early instead of 10 minutes late. You know that feeling? Ah. <sighs> breathing room, right? Where you've created margin, where you get the project done a day before it had to be done. That whole next day. <sighs> margin, breathing room. Life is better when we create space. Life is better with money in the bank. Come on. Is life not better when you got some breathing room in your bank account? Come on, everybody. He's like, yes, there's some fallback. I don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. I don't have to deal with the burden of debt in my life, that there's, there's enjoyable time that you can have with people relationally when you have 
breathing room. It's nice when you have time to go on a date. It's nice when you've created time just to hang out and be with your family and be with your kids. It's better when you have time to connect with God. So over the course of the series, we're going to be looking at how do we create the margin in the areas that matter most? How do we run at a pace that's sustainable to us? And we're going to be looking at three specific things over the next three weeks. And we're going to get a little bit to the surface of it today. And then over the next three weeks, dive into these three areas that I believe that God wants us to live with margin. One in our schedules, two in our finances, and just take the pressure off. We're not asking for money, okay? We're all good on that front. So it's not about, it's not about the church's finances. It's about your finances and, and how you can live with margin in your budget and, and then how we can live with margin in our relationships. For the sake of the series, we're gonna be defining breathing room as this, creating space between our current pace and our limits. Creating space to what we're currently running at and the limit to which we are designed to run at. Because here's the thing, we all have limits. You may think you're limitless. You may think you're Superman or Superwoman, but let me just tell you, you have a limit. You have a point where you are going to redline your life and if you continue to run at that pace, just like an automobile, if you redline it for too long, it will blow up. It will crumble. And we have to make sure that we live within limits. Dr. Richard Swinson, who wrote a great book on margin and breathing room, he said it like this. He said, margin is the space between our load and our limit. It's the space between what you can carry and what you were designed to carry, what you're carrying and what you were designed to carry. And he says this, if it, it is the amount allowed between that which is needed. It is something held in reserve for contingencies or unanticipated situations, margin is the gap between rest and exhaustion, the space between breathing freely and suffocating. (sighs) Breathing room. We all want it, but why don't we have it? And I think it's this, because breathing room doesn't just happen. It's something you have to fight for. And if you want to live the life that God intends for you, you have to intend to do it. You will never live the life that God intends unless you intend to. If you live life at your limit, eventually life will not be enjoyable anymore. And what kind of life is that? Where we're stressed out, living at the max. And I think sometimes, especially in our culture, in our attempt to get the most out of life, you lose control of your life. So how do we create margin where there is no breathing room? I think we have to understand what happens when there is no breathing room. The first thing is this, stress increases. When there's no breathing room, stress levels automatically go up, right? Again, it's when you arrive early or you get there late. It's when you get the project done on time or you're running, you're you're burning out, right? And as the time ticks away, the stress level goes up. As the, the dollar amount gets lower and the, the financial gap gets tighter, the stress levels go up. Stress goes up. When breathing, where there's no breathing room, relational intimacy decreases. Let me tell you this. Relationships are developed in the margin, right? We talked a little about this last week where there's a difference between just being in the room with someone and actually developing a relationship with them. You can't just sit on the same couch. You got to converse. You got to communicate. And if you don't have time to do that, relationships aren't, aren't, aren't just there. They're developed. They're grown in the margin in our life. And it's been said, if you want to have a happy life, it is measured, that a life is measured by the health of your relationships. And if your relationships aren't healthy, it's because we haven't created 
the margin to develop them. So when, when breathing room decreases, relational intimacy decreases, and also our focus narrows. So your tendency when, when you have no breathing room is to focus on the urgent, right? Like whatever is needed of you, the time that you, like, and everything else doesn't matter. We neglect other important things because we have no breathing room in this area. And so all of my attention has to go to that. And we live our life going from one urgent thing to another with no breathing room. And I'm telling you, nobody wants to do that, right? Come on, nobody wants to live like that. But we can have all the excuses we want. We can say, well, Kyle, it's just the nature of life. It's just how our world is. It's just the way that it is. It's just how life is and we better adjust or we're just gonna get left behind. It's just how life is. It's, it's the season I'm in. This is just seasonal. That's what I tell myself. That's what I told ourselves when we planted the church. When it was requiring, where, where we literally, the staff was me. When we moved into this building three years ago, it was me. Now we had some part-time people, but the only person full-time in the church was me. I had this whole building to myself. It was a lot of fun, right? But I would tell myself, well, this is just seasonal and eventually we're gonna grow and we'll be able to hire some more people and I won't have to do all this stuff. Guess what? Doesn't change. More people, more responsibility, more growth. Hey, more services, more time, land. Like it, it doesn't change. And we can lie to ourselves and say it's seasonal, but it's really not. We don't want to live this way, but we make excuses for how we live. You may go, well, Kyle, you don't know my boss. You don't know my career. It's just the way my job is. It's just the way that it is. And that may be, but ultimately, here's the deal. And I know this seems very simplistic today. And I just wanna be as honest as I can with you that it's not a lack of desire. It's a lack of discipline. The reason we live like this isn't a lack of desire. I've never met anyone who said, oh man, I love living paycheck to paycheck. It's fun, man. I'm a risk taker. What can I say? The adrenaline rush of just going, if we're going to make it next month, we love it. Me and my wife, we just love living like that. It's fun, you know? I love never seeing my kids. I mean, I'm glad I had them, but I mean, who needs to spend time with them, right? It's, it's no one's ever felt, no one wants to live that way. It's not a lack of desire. It's a lack of discipline. And no matter what situation you're in, no matter what job you have, here's the thing we all control, our time. We all get the same amount. No one gets any more, no one gets any less. You control your time. You go, well, I don't control what my boss gives you. You chose that job. It's your job. Well, you go, well, if I quit this job and I found another one where I had more breathing room, we wouldn't make enough money. You control your budget. Well, we wouldn't be able to afford our house. You could downsize and live in another one. Are you guys getting the point? I'm not saying you have to do any of these things, but ultimately we control it. It's up to us. We choose the level we live at. We choose the budget we live on. It is up to us. We control our time. It's not a lack of desire. It's a lack of discipline. And if you want to live a life with margin, with some breathing room, you're going to have to take control of your life. You're going to have to make some decisions. You're going to have to make some changes. So how do we do that? How do we live? Why do we, I'm sorry, how do, why do we live without breathing room? Why would we choose to do that? If we control our time, why would we choose to live without breathing room? The first thing is this, we live in a culture that's all about this fear of missing out, missed opportunities. Well, if I create margin, if I'm not at work, if, if, if I don't, if Johnny's not in football, basketball, and baseball, who knows which one he's going to go pro in, pastor? I got to have him in all of them, and they all overlap, and if if she's not in dance and gymnastics and in this at school, then 
They're going to miss out. Our neighbor's kids do all of it, so they want to do all of it. We're going to miss opportunities. If I don't work like this, Kyle, if I don't burn the the, the midnight oil at work, if I'm not pushing and and getting there, I'm never going to get the promotion that I want. I'm going to miss out on something if I don't run at the pace I'm running out. So we have this fear of missed opportunity. We also live in a culture where we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. And when we compare, we naturally compete. And so we compare ourselves to our neighbor. We compare ourselves to our sibling. And we go, well, that's where they're at. And that's the neighborhood that they get to live in. And that's the car that they get to drive. And that's the vacations that they get to go on. And this is the, the opportunities that their kids have. And, and he gets to play on the traveling team. And my Johnny is stuck in Little League. You know, like we compare ourselves. And so what we do is, is then we compete to get to where they're at. I want my kids to have the same thing. They get to go to Florida three times a year. We should be able to go to Florida. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to get the promotion. And we lose breathing room. I think another reason is insecurity. We all want our lives to matter. We all want to, to feel like we made a difference. And at the end of our life, we want to be able to say, like, man, my life made a difference in the world. And I think we, we mix up what it truly means to be successful and we find our significance in progress and promotions and 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 the things of this world and we equate busyness to significance and our fear of what of not mattering actually draws us away from what matters the most so we can all agree this morning right that we are limited beings we are limited people We're limited with what we can do with our time, with what we can do financially, with what we can do relationally. But the good news is, is that God created us. He knows us. He knows our limits. And he created us to live within limits, to live with (sighs) breathing room. That's the way you were designed to live. And it's up to you whether you want to live that way or not. In the Old Testament, God's people had been in slavery for 400 years, right? They were Blood to Egypt, and for 400 years they lived there. So generation after generation had passed away, and so all God's people knew was slavery. That pace, that schedule, what it was like, and then Moses leads them out of slavery. Joshua leads them into the promised land. As they get to this new promised land, God begins to establish new ways of living. He begins to establish things like the Ten Commandments. He goes, now these are the laws that are going to govern you now, right? And He lays out the Ten Commandments of of what it's going to be, and then he lays out even additional laws. He goes, this is the way that you're going to live. And within those laws, with God's people, he mandated margin. He mandated it. He built it into the system, knowing that we would need breathing room. To live the life that he created us to live takes us establishing breathing room. So God establishes breathing room in those three areas that we already talked about, our schedule, our finances, and relationally. And I'm going to show you in scripture how he did this. So the first area that God mandated margin is in our schedule. He established breathing room. And in Exodus 20, 8 through 11, as Moses is getting, downloading the the 10 commandments from the Lord, before he goes to the people, this is what God tells him. He says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, 
No one in your household may do any work. This includes you. And then God was smart because he's like, like me. I'm like, well, I can't work, but my kids sure can. Go do all this stuff, right? He says, no, you, your sons, your daughters, your male, your female servants, those you pay to work, they get the day off too. Your livestock and any foreigners who live among you. So even those who aren't even adhering to this law, they can't work either. Not for you, not for anyone else. Verse 11, so for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. You see, in the context of what I just shared with you, these people were in slavery. They knew nothing other than work. So imagine for them, right? If they don't work, they don't eat. If they don't work, they don't have things like we do, where we've established this five days on, two days off kind of culture, maybe six days for you, one day off, but most of us have a scheduled day in. These people lived in a time and in a culture where you don't work, you don't eat, literally. You don't go get the food, you don't have the food. You don't set it aside, you're not gonna have it. So for them, this was a foreign idea. This, wasn't, this was a, a huge uh, culture shift, a, a paradigm shift for them. And so God lays it out. He goes, listen, I know what's best for you, and it's against the law for you to work. And God knew that this would push his people to not de- to be totally dependent upon themselves, but to be dependent upon him. And so I know what some of you are thinking, the Sabbath and, and honoring it and keeping it holy and not working, and you're going, well, Kyle, that's the Old Testament. And we're not under the law anymore. Thanks be to Jesus, the grace of God sets us free from the law. And yes, it does. But listen to what Jesus said in the New Testament. As the religious people who kept the law to the T were questioning him about the Sabbath and working on the Sabbath. And this is what Jesus said to them in Mark 2, 27. The Sabbath was made by God to meet the needs of who? The people. And not to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. What Jesus was saying here is God doesn't need your time with him. He'll be fine without you. He doesn't need you. But I can tell you this, you need your time with him. You need to connect with your creator. You need to make sure you have margin to rest, that you take a day where you rest, where you cease to work, Because God designed you, he made you, just like if he designed a car to operate a certain way with a certain type of fuel, certain type of oil, God made you with a day off in mind. And so if you constantly work and never take a day off, you are gonna operate outside of the limits that God has already mandated and placed on your life. And you go, well, that's why I'm burning out. That's exactly why you're burning out. You weren't wired to work that long. You were wired to have a day off. And God doesn't need your time. You need your time with him. That's why you're here today. You get extra, right? You're like, hey, you're preaching to the choir this morning. It's Sabbath day. Here we are, honoring the Lord in the house of God. I skipped this so I could be here. I get it. And you're not always gonna be here. But here's the reason why you need this place. You know what it does is when you walk in here and you feel dark and you're going through stuff and life is hard, that you can get in a room full of other believers And you can unite with them and link arms with them and go, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. You take my fear. And the presence of God can fill your heart and bring you peace and strength 
that you can't get anywhere else because when you worship, worry goes away. When you get in the presence of God, the, the, the stress is replaced with his strength. The sorrow is replaced with his joy. That his peace can come, that you can experience the life that he's called you to live. That's why he said it's important that you come and set apart a time to honor God, to get in the house of God, to worship with other believers, not because he needs it, because you need it, and your family needs it, and your kids need it. We're going to get more into schedule next week, but God established it, he mandated it, he built it in. He also did that with our finances. He established breathing room in our finances. In Leviticus 27, when all the laws are kind of being rolled out, and there was this law of setting aside a tenth of your crops and a tenth of your animals that they would reproduce and you would take a tenth automatically and set it aside in Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops. Then your barns will be filled overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. And God establishes something that we call the tithe where we set aside 10% for the house of God, for the things of God. And again, today, this isn't about our church. This isn't about that. I'm just showing you how God established from the very beginning for you to have margin in your life, even when it came in. What he's saying is, is if, if it comes in, doesn't mean it has to go out. When I meet with couples and, and do premarital counseling, I don't, the first thing I ask them when it comes to the money part, and we talk about money a lot because one, Jesus did, and one, the other reason when it comes to your, your relationship is money is the number one cause for divorce. And it's not having too much money. People fight when there's debt. People are stressed when there's debt. And so there's tension automatically in the relationship. Why would you spend that money there? Why would you go golfing? Why would you go shopping? You know where we're at. You know the fun. And, and debt creates a load and it creates a stress that, that God doesn't want us to. So he said, I'm going to mandate, we're going to put money aside. So when I meet with couples, I say, what, right now, what you need to do is decide what percentage of your budget do you want to live on? And my suggestion is always 80%. You live on 80. For me, that's how I've always done. 10 goes to the Lord. It's his. And we're going to talk more about this. And then 10 goes into saving. Future, retirement, savings, that's the other 10. And then the 80 is what we live on. So we've said this here at Vintage Church before when we've talked about this topic. You give first, you save second, you live on the rest. That's how you create margin. And you go, oh man, 80? Come on, Kyle, 80? Is that possible? Let's rewind back in our history, in our world, world history here. Let's go. When we first established ourselves in this country, you know that people didn't pay taxes at first? You believe that? They didn't pay taxes. Then all of a sudden the government said, you know what? We need 5% of your money. And people go, 5? 5%? Yeah, and if you don't pay it, you're going to go to jail. Got it. 5%. I'll make the adjustment. Then all of a sudden it was 10. Then a new law passed and it was 15. And now you have to invest in a mandatory retirement program called Social Security. And now you got to give this, and now you have to give this. And we all went, what? How are we going to adjust? But you know what we all did? We adjusted. Because you control your time, you control your budget. You go, well, if I had to downsize my house to do that, to live at 80, I'd have to get a different house. You want margin? You want to be able to breathe? You got to make some tough decisions. So God mandates it in our lives. The last thing 
our schedules and our finances, and then God established breathing room in our relationships. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 39, Jesus sums up what it means to be a follower of his. All right, all the laws, all this stuff, what does it mean? He says this. He replies to them. He's teaching them. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all of your soul, all of your heart, all of your mind. And he says, this is the first and greatest commandment. And they're like, oh, I'm pretty good at that one. You know, I go to church pretty good. I'm getting in the life group. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. Like, I feel like I'm really connecting with God. And then Jesus goes, ah, yeah, yeah, not so fast. There's one more. And this one is just as important as the first. So you go, what could be as important as loving God with everything that we have? Loving your neighbor as you love yourself. And then he throws that one out and you go, that's gonna take some time, God. That's the one thing that I don't have. Me and you, we're good. But if I'm really gonna love people, it's gonna require time, right? To love God and to love others as you love yourself takes time, it takes margin, it takes breathing room in our lives. But you were designed, you were created by God to have relationships, to be in relationships. The happiness of your life is determined by the health of your relationship with God and with those who are important to you. But thankfully, Jesus was awesome, as we know, and he didn't just command this, he modeled it. Jesus often withdrew from the crowds. He often got away with the disciples from the busyness, the needs of others to refresh relationally. In Mark chapter one, 35 through 37, it said this, before daybreak, that's before the sun came up. (laughs) For some of you, if you're gonna create margin, that's where it's gonna be. My wife likes to work out, but she stays home and watches our kids and then some other kids. And for her to go work out at the gym, she gets up at 5.30, to go to the gym and I usually will slightly open my eye and go have a great workout babe I created margin in the evening for that so I'll catch you tonight you know like but for her and her schedule and what's going on in our lives that's where the she had to create that margin and and it was no different for Jesus that before daybreak Jesus got up he went out to an isolated place to pray later Simon and the others went out to find him I love this Usually I would stop right there and it said, but when they found them, they said, everyone is looking for you. How many of you feel like that in your house, right? You're like, you get up before daybreak, you go out to an isolated place in your house and all of a sudden the kids are going, mommy, mama, you're not supposed to be awake yet. I'm hungry. What are you doing in there? Why is the door locked? Their face goes down to the bottom of the door and their eyes like looking through the crack. Can you hear me? Right? Like, is that how, like, this is what Jesus is dealing with. His disciples are going, where are you at? We got lots of stuff to do, Jesus. And Jesus said, listen, I had to get away. You see, he was the son of God. He was fully God, but he was fully man. He had a time restraint just like you and I did. But Jesus realized that he was created to connect with his creator. And he got away to pray. He got away to connect with his heavenly father. Jesus needed some me time with his heavenly father. And you do too. You need some time that's just for you. Where you can get some breathing room in your life. You were created that way. It goes on in Matthew 26 through 20. And I love his version of 
his account, this is right before the Last Supper, where Jesus is going to have his last meal with his disciples before he goes on the crucifixion. And he says, now when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with his homeboys. Oh, I mean with his disciples. Think about this. And that culture would be custom for them to have kind of pillows around the floor and a table and that they would literally recline back. John mentioned this and says, I was reclining. Jesus, me and Jesus were like shoulder to shoulder, hanging out. That Jesus knew the importance of connecting with his creator, but he also knew the importance of connecting relationally with other people. And here he was on the night before he was about to die. Found some margin, some breathing room to connect with his friends, with his disciples. He's eating, he's hanging out. He understood the value that we have, that we believe life is better together. That you gotta get in a life group with some other people. And I tell you this all the time and I will beat this like a dead horse because I'm just telling you, you go, well, I don't have time to get in a life group. I'm telling you, you don't have time not to be in a life group. To be connected relationally. I had a conversation with someone in our church going through a difficult time and they told me, they said, Kyle, I don't know where I would be if it wasn't for my group. They've done everything they can to help me. I don't know where I'd be without them. You need that. You were created for that. And Jesus, let me just tell you, he was busier than you. He had three years to establish his church with these 12 guys. He had more on his plate than you did. Yet he found time to get away from everybody, to connect with God. He found time to recline at the table with his friends. And then he found time to love on people. In Luke 19, we find the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. Who's heard of Zacchaeus before, right? Zacchaeus, if you grew up in church, he was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. And Zacchaeus was a notorious sinner, tax collector, ripping people off. And Jesus' popularity had grown at this point. And he's walking through. And if you read verse 1, it says, Jesus was on his way somewhere. He's heading somewhere. He's a man on a mission. His time is running out. His ministry is gaining popularity. The paparazzi's there. It says that large crowd, masses of people were walking around Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus was on his way somewhere else. And the crowd was so large because Zacchaeus was short, he couldn't get a look at Jesus, this man who had been healing people and raising the dead. And he goes, I gotta get a look at this guy. Kind of yesterday, regardless of what your view is of our president, it was the president in Lewis Center, Ohio. And so people line the streets to go, if I can get a look, it's the president. This is what's going on with Jesus. And they're just trying to get a look and Zacchaeus couldn't see, so he climbs up in a tree. Jesus is a man on a mission trying to establish his rule and his kingdom in this world. Time is short, he's on his way somewhere. In the middle of all of that, Jesus stopped. He looks up in the tree. He goes, Zach. He goes, me? Yeah, you. Would you come down here? climbs down from the tree but you got any food at your house yeah can we go eat you want to eat with me yeah let's go eat go hang out jesus said hey disciples well jesus we're jesus we we're on our what are you doing we got to get i got it i got something else i need to do and he tells him to wait and all the crowds who were going with him to 
listen to him preach and listen to him teach, he said, you can wait too. I got something important I need to do. He has a meal with Zacchaeus and it turns out that Zacchaeus ends up giving his heart to God and says, Lord, I'm, I'm guilty, I'm a sinner, I'm gonna repay all these people I've wronged. And it says Zacchaeus and his entire household was saved. And we have no idea the impact that had on the kingdom of God for generations to come. But I know this, Jesus was busier than you and me and he created enough margin that he could stop and minister to the needs of those around him. To love on just one person. And I don't know about you, that convicts me. I have an important job too. I have a lot of things we're trying to accomplish. But if I neglect the needs of people and the ministry that God wants to do through me, not here on Sunday mornings, but in my week to week, I miss the whole point of even being here. Because once you commit to follow Jesus, your life is not your own. Your greatest concern, the number one priority we all have as Christ followers, and maybe you're not there yet, is your commitment to him. But when you've committed your life to him, you're saying, Lord, I commit to spreading the good news of Jesus. And sometimes that means I gotta create enough margin where I can have the conversation with my coworker, where I can stop and spend some time with my neighbor, where I can go and visit my sister and love on them, where I can go see my aging grandmother in her nursing home so that I can love on people. And if we don't create margin, I'm just telling you, you will never, ever fulfill calling that God has on your life. And we will sacrifice the significant thing we could do on the altar of the urge. And we miss the whole point. The band's coming. We're going to close out. And I said all that to say this. If Jesus can do it, if he can make time, you and I can make time. And here's the good thing. You don't have to do it by yourself. That the Holy Spirit is in you. And that if you choose to take control of your calendar, I believe that God will make up the gap. I know that he will. Financially, relationally, with your schedule, you can do it. So how do we do this? To me, it all comes down to one thing, trust. You see, the Sabbath day, taking time to rest, taking time to create margin, create breathing room in your life, I had to get convicted of this. Where I felt, especially, and I'm gonna share more next week when we talk about schedule, and I've shared this with our church before a couple years ago, but I reached a place where I was trying to do it all myself. I took the burden of the church. I took the burden of my family. I can do it. I'm Superman. I don't need to rest. I don't need to take a day off. I don't need margin. God, I got this. This is seasonal. It's just a season. And I got to a place where I was this close to just going, what is this even worth anymore? And God said, it's time to get some discipline in your life. And I thought, well, I have discipline in this area and I'm reading the Bible. I do all those things. God, no, you know, no, you need discipline in this area, margin, breathing room. You don't have any. You got to create it right now with your kids, with your wife, with yourself. You got to create it. You got to make room. And I went through a very difficult period of time where I just had to get kind of stripped down of who I thought I was, what I thought my responsibility was, and where I literally just had to place my life, the life of this church, my family, and go, God, I trust you with it. 
And I believe, God, you can do more with six days than I can do with seven. Trust you. And this is what Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, 31 through 33. He says so this, so don't worry about all these things. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? If we translated that to the needs we have now, because those were the needs of those people. They literally had to worry about where their next meal was going to come from, if they were going to have clothes, if they were going to have a place to lay their head. That was their life. And maybe for us, it's don't worry about the promotion at work. Don't worry about your kids and, and all the stuff that they're in. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about finding the perfect person. Don't worry about all that stuff. He goes, those things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Another translation says the pagans, those who have no connection to the living, true God that we're here worshiping this morning. He goes, that dominates them. He says this, but your heavenly father already knows. Look at your neighbor and say, he knows. He knows. He says, he already knows all that you need. So seek him above everything else. Make him your number one priority. Create margin for God. Create margin for the things of God. Create margin for what matters most. Live the right way. Live with discipline. And God will give you everything you need. He'll take care of it. You do this, God will do this. But it comes down to God. You believe that he will. Jesus said he already knows. And you're going, well, he doesn't know, but no, he already knows. He knows what you're going through. He knows the state of your marriage. He knows the state of your finance. He knows what's going on at work. He knows what's going on with your kids. You go, well, I'm afraid, Kyle. I'm afraid that that if I don't, if I don't do this, if my kids aren't in this, if I don't keep doing this, if I stop doing this, I'm afraid what could happen. Well, that's trust. That's faith. And throughout scripture, God is always contrasting our faith with fear. And Jesus says, choose faith. Choose the trust. He's God. He's sovereign. He created you. He knows you. And he got you. Trust him. And when you live like that, you get breathing room. When you live like that, you can take the day off and quit worrying about work. You can put the phone away at night and hang out with your kids. You can turn the computer off. Deal with the email tomorrow. You can write the check. Because you trust that God's got it all. That's the way he's designed you to live. It's the the way we all want to live. That's the pace that you can live at. So do you trust God that he'll take care of the breathing room if you create it? That he'll bridge the gap of the space that you're giving him and giving others. And when you learn to trust him, when you learn to rest in him, you'll find a new pace to life that has breathing room. That's the life that God invites you to live. Would you stand with me today? And as we worship listen, something or someone is going to determine the limits that you live by. We all have limits. And you can either allow culture or fear to continue to drive 
the pace and continue to redline your life or you can trust your heavenly father knows about your kid. He knows about your career. He knows about your marriage. He knows. You can trust him. You can breathe. You can come up for air and you can walk in the freedom that he offers you. You're his kid. He loves you. And he has a life that he's inviting you to live. If you'll trust him with the breathing room. Father, we know that you're a good dad. That you know what we need and that you can provide it. So Lord, I pray today that in our effort to get the most out of life, that we don't lose control of our life. God, that we will run at the pace that you created us to run by. God, that we will trust you that we will offer our faith to you. And so in this moment, God, we sing this song in faith. I pray that those that are running, that their lives are redlined, that they will trust you. God, and as we declare this truth today, that we will rest in you, that we will trust you, that we will not fear. God, that your presence would come and do a work in our heart and lives today. In Jesus' name, amen.